Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 1,000 Recordings podcast, episode number 23. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman, and with me every week, as always is the effervescent Mitchell Davis. What's up? How's it going? It's going It's going good. It's going real good. Um, you've had some... Well, so one thing, at least one thing this week cool happened. You got your truck back, the storied truck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, after my truck was stolen back in January and for the moment had given up on ever seeing it again. Yes, my, my truck is back with me. After long wranglings with uh, the dealership and my insurance company, which I thank both of them uh, greatly, my truck is back in the garage, and I'm so grateful. Thank you. Good. <laughs> and it's it's in the garage. That's good. Yeah, it's in the garage. <laughs> it's it will it, it will sit in the driveway occasionally, but overnight now at this point, no, this no more, no more in the driveway. It's it's tucked away in the garage, and it's and it's pouring down rain outside. Uh, here in Houston right now, we've, re- we've really been getting hammered uh, the last week or so with with rain. I mean, all all of 2011, pretty much Houston was in a drought. Uh, most of Texas was in a drought, and that has not been the case in 2012. We have gotten a lot of rain, um, so I guess that's good. I I guess, man. I mean, I hope that doesn't mean like some kind of crazy inundation of uh mosquitoes but you know like later in the summer well and that that's that's just to be expected i mean you'll you'll always have mosquitoes in texas no matter what i mean it's just the conditions provide for it my my thing is is the weather in general i mean i don't know if you saw on the news uh like hawaii what they had to go through uh this past uh couple of days they had like a I guess like a water spout that came on land and just wreaked all kinds of havoc on a couple of islands in Hawaii. They've had, you know, lots of rain, people going on vacation. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, there's there's water in the house, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, all kinds of weird stuff going on with the weather here and there. And, you know, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Well, of course, I mean, there was uh, huge troubles here last week in indiana with uh oh yeah tornadoes saw that that. yeah i mean that was just uh south of where i am but you know one town you know just south of where i am was pretty much uh kind of leveled yeah so it was yeah (laughs) yeah indiana illinois too they they got it real bad there's a lot of different places that uh don't see this kind of tornado activity this early where they're so strong i mean that's another thing too on the news where, where you you have people now that have cameras everywhere and you can literally see some of these houses being wiped out their roofs being torn off and you know where it's filmed you know and yeah that whole deal where you'll have a street where you know half the street all the houses are like slabs and then the other half the houses look like they hadn't been touched right. you know right, right. and it's like just this odd you know force of, of nature that I mean not odd but just an odd circumstance where you know nature just comes through and you know does what it does and 
you know, I, I just I, I feel for, for all the people, man, that had to go through, you know, either having their houses annihilated or, or, or losing their lives. Even I mean, you know, we, we always wind up I mean, you know, working for the phone company, we always wind up going to all these different places that we get loaned out to help people. Uh, I remember here in Beaumont when they had uh, Rita, Hurricane Rita go through. I mean, it was awful. I mean, just just seeing the the devastation and and, and hearing the stories where everybody I talked to they they were all like, you know, I sat through this. I'll never do it again. You know, if they say go next time, I'm going. You know, they're, they're yeah, just all yeah. scary stories. You know about how you know they thought they weren't going to make it, and you know, anyway, just <sighs> thinking yeah. about all all of, all the people that went through bad weather this week. It's, it, I know it's been rough. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's been weird. I mean, it's super early for this kind of stuff. Um, you know, in the, in the past in Indiana, the winters have always been really cold and really tough for me to deal with, you know, with all the the snow and ice and and cold and wind and all that stuff. And man, I have to say, it's like winter never came this year. It's like mm-hmm. um it's like it, it it got to late fall and just kind of stayed there. Mm. You know, um, literally just there was no winter this year. So it was, yeah. it was really and, weird. I think a lot of people are experiencing that where you and, and at this point of the year, you also seeing. I mean, I, I've got annual type flowers that are already starting to show and come back. And I'm like, you oh, know, that's and that's something, you know, that like you said, it, it, it didn't get really that cold. You know, and now spring is is trying to turn, and and so many things are happening. Everything's greening up, and leaves are showing back up on the trees already. And, you know, I like you said, I, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, through the spring, and the summer. I mean, last summer here it was so hot. I mean, even for Texas, it was hot, like brutal hot and dry. You know, where the yeah. humidity wasn't near as bad, but it was very very dry everywhere. You have. The, the phenomena of the busted water pipe, that was all over the place here in Houston where you just, you'd be driving down the street and you just see this long stream of water and you go to somebody's front house and their driveway would just be like this fountain of water gushing out. And that was just all over the place. They, the, the county and city, you know, people that, that fixed that kind of stuff, they, they couldn't even keep up, you know, it was, it was crazy. Wow. You know, I even, I had one in my front yard where I, I had a pipe bust and, you know, the county had to come out and dig my whole front yard up. That was fun. So and, uh, why was it so widespread? I mean, was it like because people were using so much water? Or Well, when, when you have pipes that are settled in the ground like that and, and the ground is really hard, it, it, it causes, I guess, a, like a shift in the pipes where it begins to, to crack them. Because normally ah. that ground is softer, a lot softer because of the moisture. But when it gets hard and it dries up, it, it, it forces a lot of, you know, change in that right. conduit where it, it, it won't. And a lot of that stuff was old anyway. You know, like my, my particular case wasn't that it was that old, but it just it just couldn't take the, the pressure anymore from the ground being so dry. And, um, and like I said, I, I mean, I thought initially I was like it was just me. And then I found other people, other people in my neighborhood, a couple of people that had to the same deal and then all over the city it was just like that you know they you know just everybody going through and digging up fortunately you know that kind of thing when it happens you know that they usually come out they'll just fix everything for free and you get a 
you get a new driveway basically yeah yeah um even though it's all it's a it's a mess for about a week or two you know but uh anyway man on to the, the subject <laughs> of, of the music uh, <laughs> right <week>. <laughs> yeah um yeah man i had uh one thing happen this week that was awesome that i wanted to talk about oh okay um i got a record player yeah, I, I think I saw you uh, <laughs> talking about that. That that that's good. Uh, power to the vinyl for it, sure. Yeah, I mean, um, I've wanted a record player for for a long time. There's a lot of albums, especially albums from the '70s, that I think I've mentioned this on the show that I just feel like I haven't really heard, you know, because I haven't mm-hmm. heard them on vinyl. And um, I had a false start. A, a friend of mine up here gave me an old turntable, and he said, "You know, I'm pretty sure it works. It might need a belt, whatever." But it was it was dead totally it didn't work, <clears throat> so I was kind of bummed out. And then my father in law said, "Well, why don't you come over here? I I got stuff. That's that's all he said. I got stuff, which I I didn't know what that meant, you know. But I, I was like, okay, I'll come over. And um, <laughs> so we came, you know, my wife and I went over there, and I came out of there with, you know, this turntable." and you know sort of stereo thing with speakers you know from the 70s but really great you know i guess you could call them vintage speakers Uh um that works fantastic and this absolute treasure trove dude of records from the 70s oh really Uh, and of like all these records like right up my alley like all a bunch of sort of hard rock and progressive rock kind of records Oh, um, that's great, uh, man! It's been fantastic. I mean, I've been just sitting here listening to uh, to records, and the sound is just so great, just so different than uh, you know, listening to a CD or or an MP3 file or whatever. Yeah, and uh, you know, now I've got this, you know, vinyl bug that could turn out to be dangerous, but. Uh, you know, I went on eBay and looking for all these old records and it can get quite expensive, but, um, yeah. And, and then I, uh, I ordered a couple of new releases on vinyl. So from a couple groups that I like a lot, California guitar trio, and then the brand new Mars Volta album, yeah. they, they both put, put their latest releases out on vinyl. So I've ordered those and, uh, uh, I don't think I get the Mars Volta one until like late May, but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I'm like giddy. I, I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> that's great to hear. I mean, I I still have a record player. You know, I, I don't use it as much as uh as I used to, but I, I'm definitely a fan of of records. And I mean, the issue with obviously shopping, it, it's really great to go shopping, especially for used vinyl, because it's the whole issue with one man's trash is another man's treasure yeah. definitely, you know, comes up with the shopping of vinyl because there's so much out there that people are just, you know, totally not even aware of what's what's totally, you know, good and, and sometimes better than good, sometimes priceless, you know, where something is just sitting on a shelf with a, a tag on it that says 50 cents, you know, and it, it might be worth like, you know, 10 times a hundred times that you know it just depends on you know the person and the piece so um yeah i definitely am, am a big fan of, of of records and record players especially a record player that has a pitch control you know that, that that to me 
is is so very crucial because I've I've dealt with so many record players that had the speed set maybe a little too fast on the revolution oh, of I the see. turntable, yeah, which yeah. which kind of ruins it. You know, I mean, if you really want to hear the music the way it's supposed to be, yeah, yeah. and um, you know the uh, the the record player that has pitch control is it keeps you from having to do silly stuff like sit stuff on your record player and kind of drag it to to make it sound right. I mean, I, I trust me, I've been through all that that stuff. And, <laughs> um, but to get a good record player, and I, I've looked at these now. Uh, speaking of of going into bookstores, I, there's a a local bookstore here at Half Price Books that I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure they're they're in other places too. They have this record player that you can plug into your PC or laptop with a USB cord yeah, and yeah. download the, the digital files. I haven't really tried that yet. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's probably probably pretty decent. Um, but I, I know you, you were talking about getting in trouble. If I do that, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in trouble. Because um, <laughs> I've got quite a few records that I've always wanted to have uh, on my iPod or make digital files of. I, I did that with a uh, mini disc technology a few years back and kind of got bored with that but but to have it go directly from you know the turntable to my my hard drive oh yeah i would i would be i would get fussed at by by my wife and and possibly the rest of my family for <laughs> for being locked away somewhere and, and they like go away leave me alone i'm working <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah so <laughs> Yeah, but man. Yeah, I love love the vinyl. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll see what happens when I'm able to get my hands on. I mean, I'm I'm I'd still love to have like all the Stevie Wonder from the '70s and um, uh, again, of course, a lot of the progressive rock stuff that I like uh, from the '70s. And um, I don't know. We'll see what I can find. But yeah, yeah, it's it's out there, man. If you you look enough, there are people who either just don't want their records anymore or people who who've had records from loved ones that maybe passed away and you know they're just hey you know i just want it out of here you know or just there's all kinds of stuff out there where you can just go especially sometimes where you know i found this too with records and and comics too which is something i'm kind of into people that just they just have a bulk amount of whatever and they just want to you know name your price and you go through and look and see what they have, and you're like, oh man, you know, okay, this this might be all right, you know. So, yeah, it's 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 amazing what you, especially like what you were talking about eBay and and other websites like that. It's amazing what you can find. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I I found this one website um, that you know you can get anything and everything for your turntable, you know, replacement parts and all that stuff, and they sell turntables, and um, their most expensive turntable on there. A hundred and seventy thousand dollars. A hundred and seventy thousand. Yes. Wow. For one turntable. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Dude, the cartridge for this turntable is fifteen thousand dollars. What kind of turntable is it? <laughs> I, I'll have to send you a link, man, because I can't even describe the thing. It looks. Is it made out of? Is a turntable made out of platinum and gold? God. The the yeah well it's got gold in it, but I can't even uh, describe to you how this thing looks. It looks like something out of Superman's Fortress of Solitude or something. Uh, okay. Um, uh. yeah. But anyway, come on, one hundred seventy thousand. Anyway, um, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, let's uh, let's get on to you know the show. 
<laughs> yeah. And uh, this week we're going That's to. That's crazy. I, I, you got yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link. Um, okay. We're going to start off with uh, Paul Blay, his album Fragments. Then we're going to move on to Blind Boys of Alabama, uh, which I forgot the name of their album already. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot myself. It is. Uh... Uh, Spirit of the Century. Spirit of the Century. And James. then <laughs> uh, and then uh, we've got Blind Faith. And then uh, Blondie, their album Parallel Lines. And finally, Bloque, um, Colombian group uh, from the 90s. So, yeah, let's let's uh, start with Paul Blay. And uh, Paul Blay, you know, jazz pianist. Um, really, that's a kind of a really generic description for this guy i mean he's yeah um he's hard to pin down you know but if if i guess if you had to put him into a genre you know jazz would be it um he was a, a canadian born in montreal in 1932 and he's had a huge and long and varied career um this guy has played with uh many many of the giants of jazz you know since really since the 40s up until now i mean the guy is still active and still playing um he's played with people like charlie parker lester young Char charles mingus uh, art blakey who we talked about last week ornette coleman sun Ra, pat Metheny, jaco pastorius i mean just those are just a few of the people yeah. that he's played with over the years um I thought this was interesting. Billboard magazine credits Paul Blay and videographer Carol Goss as producing the very first music video ever. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, and uh, there's, you know, many books written about this guy, including an autobiography. Um, yeah, what did you think of Paul Blay? Um, listening to the, the particular album, that we're we're going to talk about. I, I was very impressed um, when when you talk about jazz and jazz musicians. The the first thing that comes to my mind is 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 sort of like music language, and and how you know he may speak, you know, to I guess what you what you would call the listener, and then also people he's playing with, and um, the language that he has is is a very unique one. I mean, in the sense of where I guess that people talk about, you know, free jazz, how, you know, some people can come together that, that maybe have a, their own distinctive styles and, and can kind of play, you know, music that may not necessarily have, have a, a, a structure, but, but still works. Uh, I definitely hear that here where they, they don't always sound, I mean, the players themselves like, they're sort of in a, any sort of definite rhythmic pattern, but but for some reason or another, it, it really worked for me, you know, almost even in like a meditative sense. Some of it did. Um, I definitely like the, the the subtle nature in his piano playing. That that's one thing that I, I I took away from it initially right away. Just you know, nothing nothing too harsh. You know, you know, usually pretty pretty subtle and quiet but at times you know could kind of turn and and be a little you know weird or, or off key i guess um but but 
for me, I mean, it was it was sort of like my first experience. I, I'd heard his name before, you know, and um, you know, definitely he obviously he's been around for forever, but um, would would like to hear more of uh, especially some of his older stuff. I mean, the the new stuff that well, I, I mean, this album isn't is not new, but uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it was released the, in. I think I forgot to say when it was released. Uh, it was released in '86. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. That was kind of like a period where you had, I guess, a lot of, uh, what's the word? Like new, new age music, so to speak, that was yeah. starting to break, and and that's not what this is at all. I mean, some of that stuff can be really stale to me, or or even boring. But uh-huh. this was never that. It was never boring. I mean, you know, it, it just it had just a great pulse to it, you know. And it, it never was, like I said, never anything that was like like a crashing symbol, so to speak. But but just always very subtle and 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 pleasant. You know, the the, the tonage of it, even I guess if you would say, was was nice. Um, and and I I would definitely love to hear more more from him. Oh yeah, I mean I have a feeling that um, just to hear one album of Paul Blay is barely barely scratching the surface of you know the the kind of stuff that this guy's done over his career yeah um, yeah it seems like he's really capable of, of of going in a lot of different directions and i mean like you said this is just kind of one one example um yeah you know like 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 we were talking about um him going back to the days of, of where he played with charlie parker i mean you know i mean that was so so long ago and and I'm sure he takes a lot of influence from what he had with him and and I guess some of the other people. I, I think I saw Archie Shep in here and you know some some other guys that, that kind of had their own sort of you know way of of, of saying what they want to say in jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and, and that's something that I I would really like love to experiment more with as as far as you know listening to music personally. I mean. I, I'm sure he's got all kinds of stuff going in what he's done, you know, throughout his career. Like I said, that I, I would just love to explore. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I think this album represents just, you know, just one snapshot in a long and varied career. You know, um, so we're gonna start off with this track, "Memories." This is the, this is the first track on the album, and I thought it was really interesting to have this track be the first track. You know, be the first thing that you hear. Um, this particular track, it, it falls somewhere in between a kind of modernist classical chamber music and jazz, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you know, you mentioned New Age, and you can you can hear it in there. I mean, you you can sort of hear a kind of New Age element in there too. But I hesitate to even say that because then once you say that, it brings up so many connotations in people's minds you know what i mean and it's such yeah, a it's such yeah. a small you know it, it's such a like you said this is not new age but it, it really is no. it really is difficult you know to uh describe this in words you know that's what that's what we do right we talk about it before we play it and uh, it's pretty difficult to put into words what this is um it, short of just hearing it you know um yeah I think I think for me, when you talk about new age like George Winston and, and all that, 
all that sort of stuff. I mean, this is this is a I'm trying to think of a word. This is a lot more sticky than that. I mean, <laughs> New Age is it just it, it it can be like a plain white piece of paper, whereas this is like a it's more like that paper but with some good scribbling on it, you know, <laughs> that 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 kind of makes you want to you know raise your head up and and, and go whoa, you know. I mean, because because I mean, you could put on some New Age music. And I mean, it, it can just kind of fall in the background and, and nobody even knows as it's playing, you know, yeah. but not this, you know, this, this has a, a distinction to it where, you know, the, the elements of the music at times will really clash with each other. And then at other times they just flow, you know, like a hang glider, you know, where it's just so, so clean and even, but, but not like I said, not boring it. I never was bored listening to this album, and that, and to me, that's that's one of the pitfalls for me in, in new age music, where it, it would just eventually, you know, turn me off. You know, right. it, it just right. had no no soul or spirit to it. Yeah, but this does. You know, it, it has an innovation to it. It has you know great playing. You know, even though the playing is it, at times is very subtle and very quiet. You know, it it it, it has a a distinctive voice where it's it's not it's not ordinary to me and i, yeah, I think yeah. that's the thing that that I, I appreciate about it yeah you know when i first listened to this track and, and one of the things i was really excited about um for listening to this album was that i knew because tom moon mentioned it you know last week was that bill frizzell the guitarist bill frizzell was on the album and yeah. uh i i'm familiar i'm really familiar with bill frizzell i i really like Bill Frizzell a lot. I think he's uh, just one of the greatest individual and unique voices in jazz guitar, you know, period. Mm-hmm. And he's got this really distinctive guitar tone. So distinctive, yeah. you know, that it's one of these guitar tones where if you just hear him play a couple notes, you, you know exactly who it is, you know, it playing. Is exactly. Um, when I first listened to this track, I thought, oh, okay, well, Bill Frizzell's not playing on this track. It's just, you know, the the piano, the wind instruments, and the drums. But then I listen closer with headphones, and he is on this track. He, he's, mm-hmm. he's all through this track. What he's doing is he's, he's sort of um, layering this, you know, thinnest veil of, of like, mm. this ghostly backdrop of sound with his guitar. Yeah. And um, you really, I think you have to to wear headphones and listen to this in a quiet room to really hear what he's doing. Yeah. But it, it adds such a cool, uh, just, I don't know, a depth and a dimension to the piece, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And it's so, it's in, I can tell you, it's so against a guitarist nature to, um, to not just bust out and start playing stuff and, and go into the foreground, you know? And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was a really cool thing about, this track yeah definitely like i said you know just just little subtle things like that 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 make this really work and um you know just a a a great example of of how like you said a a musician can can take what he does and 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 what he knows and and not necessarily do it in a traditional form of, of anything that we've ever seen like like you said what what bill is doing here uh, where it's it's so subtle, but it's there, you know, and and it's and it's in the mix of of the song where 
you know, unless you really leaned over and, and kind of listened closely, you would you would never even notice him tiptoeing through the song, so to speak. Uh, and I right. I know that tone that you're talking about where he he comes. I think the first time I I listened to something that that kind of made me realize who he was. It was a it was a John Zorn record uh, back in the early '90s called Naked City. Um, oh yeah, a, that was a it's crazy a, album. Yeah, that that I love that record, and I think that was the very first time I'd ever listened to anything that he was on. Uh, or I, I'd even know because I think I'd seen his name before, but never really knew much about him until that record. And and that's just one of those great examples of what he can do, you know, when he plays. Because um, some of that again is, you know, it's just him just kind of, you know, you know, gently tiptoeing through the song. Sometimes it sounds like his guitar sounds like a cat meowing, you know, in the middle of the night where you just kind of hear it in the distance. Uh, uh, but anyway, um, just like I said, a, a great example of, of language between players um, and, and how that can work to where they, they almost have an, a language all their own. And, you know, we may not understand exactly what they're saying, but it it, it works anyway, you know, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. All right, let's check it out. This is Memories by Paul Blay. <laughs> Thank you. 
And we just heard Memories by Paul Blay, and we're going to move on to Line Down. And uh, this is, uh, you know, taking the album as a whole, um, this is really one of the most aggressive, sort of most, one of the most upbeat tunes on the record. Um, it features this kind of growling, distorted electric guitar of Bill Frizzell, uh, which I thought was, I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought the, the tone and the mm-hmm. sound of the guitar was great. Um, and it's sort of, um, you know, it's a very kind of rocking sort of is all I can say. And it's sort of paired with Paul Blay doing this kind of disjointed off kilter piano accompaniment. You know, to me, it sounds like, uh, as weird as it sounds, it sounds like Jimi Hendrix meets Arnold Schoenberg meets Ornette Coleman, sort of <laughs> this, this song, you know? Yeah. What did you think of it? Yeah, just it, when I first started listening to it, it, it it's like it, it it's it's a disjointed group of guys that that kind of you know clash into each other as as they play. But it, it again, you know, it, it's it, it's not you know chaotic in a sense, but it 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 it, it, it still works. I guess is is was what I'm thinking. Yeah, it, it it was a uh, one of the tracks that when I when I first started kind of listening to it, you know, you you just kind of want to hear and, and distinguish, you know, the individual pieces, and then you know try to see if you can you know pair up anything that they're doing rhythmically. And at, at times, it doesn't seem like they're they're listening to each other at all, or if they're maybe even in the same place playing together um but it, it, i guess that's you know that's part of you know sometimes what free jazz is where you have guys all kind of saying different stuff but but never really trying to talk over each other um right 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 i guess if that makes sense you know and 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 that's really cool where you know everybody can kind of have have a voice within the song but not anyone is is you know, louder than the the other person, and and I I think that's what I I was I was taking from this when I listened to it. You know how they how they can all kind of work together. You know, in that song or in this particular song, you know, saying seemingly totally different things. You know, with with their set instrument, but yeah. but still kind of working together. You know, somehow or another. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's because I think um, you know, the way I I know jazz works, and I I'm pretty sure this works, is that there's some you know, basic underlying pre-existing structure, right? That all the musicians are going off of. It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of like giving a blueprint for a building, you know, to four different architects and then saying, mm-hmm. okay, all you guys, you know, design your own take on this building using these blueprints. And, you know, you've mm-hmm. got f- four architects that have four distinct styles and they're all really talented and they all, you know, create these buildings based on the same foundation, but you know, they're all a little bit different because, and that's, that's kind of what this is. Um, except it's all going on at the same time. Yeah. So I I guess in a weird way, that's a good way to put it where you, you're building a house because you know, you've got a a guy who can probably, you know, lay the foundation and another guy who's doing the woodwork, another guy's electrician, the other guy's a plumber, you know, they're all doing different stuff. 
but they're all in harmony putting together the house, you know. And, and initially, when that house is coming up, you're like looking at it, thinking, "Ooh, you know." <laughs> but you know, when the house is finished, you're like, "Oh, okay, that's what they were trying to do," you know. So I guess that's a that, that's definitely a good way of looking at this. Because uh, like, when this song first starts, I mean, like I said, it, it's 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 almost like they're like they're not even in the same zip code. I mean. It, it's just like you know, rah, and then and that's even kind of fun, you know, where you know it kind of starts off like just kind of raggedy. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, and I just I love to hear people's people's tone in in music. Uh, somebody who I I've, I've always loved when it came to that was Miles Davis. You know, Miles Davis did he just was one of those guys that he just really didn't care. You know, he he'd gotten to a point where he he just wanted to play. You know, and I mean, at the same time, he wanted to groove and 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 I'm I'm sure wanted to to sound good, but that's also he just kind of would would just throw stuff out and and yeah, because he was just such a badass. First of all, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, he 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 just he 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 can only hear his own voice. I think that's a that's what I'm trying to say. You know, I mean, I'm sure Miles dug other people, you know, as far as other musicians and. But I think he he really was more akin to hearing his own voice than than anyone else, you know. Oh yeah, I, mean, I agree. And that that may seem sort of selfish, but I mean, he, it was Miles Davis, you know. The only other person I can think of maybe like that is is probably Prince, you know, who he he's just Prince is, is he's probably so akin to his own leaning and style, and it's probably difficult for him to listen to to anybody else and 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 kind of want to, you know, change direction on what they do. I, I don't know. But um, <laughs> in, in, in this in this case, I mean, you know, th- these guys all like, they all seem like, you know, they know their own sound, they know their own voice, but they're still comfortable, you know, in the setting with each other where they kind of are, tr- are creating something new together, you know. And that can always be very, very fun, very freeing, I guess as as you know the free jazz label was you know put on them, and uh, I, I mean I would definitely say that that this is not a record, you know, for someone who is is very new to jazz, um, you know, unless you just want to kind of explore and and do different things, uh, you know, that's just out yeah, of yeah. you know the normal whatever. So yeah, yeah. Well, let's check this out. This is. Line Down by Paul Blay.
And we just heard Line Down, and we're going to move on to Blind Boys of Alabama, their album Spirit of the Century, released in 2001. And uh, th- this is another group, you know, that uh, has spanned like this huge career, long, long, yeah. sort of long lived, very long lived career. I mean, I think they started in the 40s. Is that right? Yeah, late 30s, 40s is when they, they came together. They were at an institute for the blind uh, in, in Alabama. And I, I was amazed reading their history and how, because I knew they'd been around for a good long while, but I didn't know it had been that long. I mean, and, I mean, they when you have a span like that from then to now, obviously you're going to have a lot of different members. They've had some members pass away, uh, but they have a very long standing tradition of singing gospel music and uh i i didn't realize how long they they had been you know i mean looking at their their discography i I was like i mean they got like almost you know four or five dozen records that they've released over that period of time and i was like wow you know because i i knew of them and then and you know kind of groups i mean there's all kinds of blind boys of of Uh mississippi and you know blind boys of this and blind boys of that but i mean they they were like you know like the i guess the original real deal um yeah and uh yeah just amazing amount of 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 stuff they've done and then up to this point where i guess they you know they had gotten the attention of peter gabriel who who put this record out on his real world label um and they 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 kind of have done some some things where this is not a traditional gospel record obviously but it's a very good record um where you get to hear the the root of 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 what they're about alongside some other really great modern musicians and and different arrangements um i i really um you know enjoyed what i heard uh from from this particular um particular album uh spirit of the century yeah oh yeah i thought it was great um and the original members you know like you said they were they formed up in this institute for the blind so they were they were blind i mean they really were blind um, yeah singer and i think the drummer too i think their original drummer was yeah. blind also yeah i'm not so that's that's amazing in itself it, it is amazing i'm not um positive about the current lineup i know um, from reading that really the current lineup of blind boys of Alabama are not the founding members. There's, there's really only one founding member still living. Yeah. And I know he yeah. tours with them as his health allows. Yeah. But, um, I'm not clear on if the, f- uh, the current members are blind or they're just sort of carrying on the tradition or what? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I would imagine that it, at least, you know, because I mean, to to call yourself that and then be up on a stage and not be blind is, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not very genuine, obviously. But, um, you know that that's 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 something that I, I I'm looking at that now. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um, you would imagine they they probably would try to keep that that going on. Um, yeah. Where they they're all basically still still blind, but then you know, I, because of you know I guess the way things are and you have to keep going on if you have a member that's not blind i guess it's not the end of the world yeah yeah you know? yeah yeah i mean 
Uh, yeah, I mean, if they they showed up and sang this stuff, I I wouldn't care if they were blind or not. Yeah. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Let's um let's check out this first track, "Amazing Grace," and it's uh is really cool, man. How they basically did you know "Amazing Grace" over "House of the Rising Sun." Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where you. I mean, this song's been done, you know. I mean, by everybody. I mean, Elvis, Brian Ferry. I mean, so many people have have done this song. Aaron Neville does a, an awesome version of it. Uh, but when I first started listening to this, I mean, that was the first thing that grabbed me. Was I'm like, that's like the refrain for House of the Rising Sun. And then when he starts the vocal, I was like, man, that's that was a really cool idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, basically, it is House of the Rising Sun. Everything about it, including the vocal melody is the same it's 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 house of the rising sun it's just yeah it's just the words are amazing yeah. grace yeah 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 and i mean it really i mean when those songs kind of play off of each other you know um in the subject matter you know and I, I i love the fact that i mean when you think about house of the rising sun and then the subject matter of that song and then the subject matter of Amazing Grace. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's just, just a great way to play them off of each other. Um, and I, I just, I love the the idea, first of all, of putting them together because so many people are, are really funny about, I guess, what you would call, you know, the the secular type of music and the and the gospel side of music where they they both really should not mix but when you look at it most most of the time you'll have a lot of i guess what you would call secular or pop music that's been influenced by gospel anyway you know and um i i think that that's one of those things that that i i've i've always kind of been bugged about where you know, if if you know where your heart is, you know, and I mean, whether you believe in God or not, I mean, it's it's not really that 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 relevant per se to me. But you know, you should be able to kind of you know listen or play both, and and not really have to be, you know, felt like you're, you know, doing anything wrong, so to speak, uh, because it's just good music is good music. To me, anyway, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, I, um, I think that that could be, you know, sort of kind of the, you know, reasoning, you know, maybe in, in putting these songs together, maybe, maybe, maybe not, but I think it was just, it was just a really, really great idea, uh, and it, it came out sounding really good. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, it's amazing how well Amazing Grace fits into. House of the Rising Sun just fits in there perfectly. So it's, yeah. So yeah, let's check it out. This is Blind Boys of Alabama, their version of Amazing Grace.
We just heard Amazing Grace by the Blind Boys of Alabama. We're going to move on to their track, Good Religion. Uh, And uh, this is, oh, kind of a straight-up Southern gospel tune um, Mm -hmm. done in a a, just a, yep, just there it is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You you, you pretty much said it. I mean, it's about as bare bones as, as gospel harmony would get. And that's the one thing about them that I think, um, is really what makes them great is the the tradition of gospel harmony. Um, it's really not given, I think, the credit that it's it's due. Uh, I mean, uh, Tom talks about in the book, you know, like groups like the Dixie Hummingbirds, and you know, later on some other groups like the Soul Stirrers, which you know that's where Sam Cooke really kind of started. And I mean, so many groups like that, you know, that that take gospel harmony. And, and make it just just so good. And I think that that's the one thing that I liked about this song when I, when I first heard it. it. It just jumped out of me, the, the harmony that they had. You know, that's, I mean, it, it really seems really simple when you when you listen to it at first, but it's it's really not as, as easy to, to come up with. I mean, you have to have, obviously you have to have some people who can sing, you have to have the right sounding voice and the right mix and chemistry of voices. Um, and then also to uh, the setup and recording, you know, where where you want the acoustics, you know, to reflect, you know, what the voice is doing. Oftentimes, I know when when I was in in choir and I sang, you know, the the one place we would always go to harmonize. And I see this in, in movies and sometimes where people would go in the bathroom and sing and practice. It's it's the one place that you can go where that the especially in the you know high school, middle school type bathrooms, it has that echo to it where it's just uh-huh. perfect. And it and it it brings out any kind of flaws or anything that needs to be worked out. 
I, I just there's something about that bathroom, especially if the bathroom is really tight. You know, it, it has this this echo that that you you cannot like really replace that. I mean, I mean you can try to duplicate it, but I mean there's something about that that echo that just makes harmonizing in there where you can you can work it out and polish it. And I I imagine them they probably harmonize in the bathrooms. You know, at, at <laughs> probably sometime or another. I'm, I'm pretty sure they did. But, um, you know, I, I, I definitely uh, I love the the harmony in this song and, and the way they sound. And and even the, the, the cadence and the, the spirit and the and the, the rhythm of the song. It's just it's very good, good, you know, gospel music. Awesome. Well, let's check it out. Uh, this is cool. our final track from the Blind Boys of Alabama. This is Good Religion. heard good religion from blind boys blah 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 blind boys of alabama and we move <laughs> on to blind faith um their self-titled and only album from 1969 yeah. um this was kind of a 60s super group i guess you could say um composed uh, or comprised of uh, eric clapton and ginger baker who had just come out of cream and uh, Steve Winwood, who uh, was taking a break from his project, Traffic, um, and uh, oh, the bass player's name—I forgot. <laughs> uh, uh, Rick Rick Gretch. I Gret- think that's his name. Gretch. Gretch. Yeah, Rick Gretch. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm right. pronouncing that right. Yeah, and he was in a band called Family, and um, so they all came together in 1969, a sort of out of the ashes of the recently disintegrated cream um, that had apparently a lot of drama and a lot of infighting uh, and, uh, you know, just disintegrated. Yeah. Um, Yeah, man, this band, you know, was very storied, very hyped when they came out and uh, very short-lived. Oh, yeah, yeah, one album. 
one album basically and I, I don't think they were even together like from really from the very very beginning the very inception of the group through putting out their album through touring to them breaking up i don't even think was a year <laughs> which is amazing um, yeah yeah that's 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 rock and roll i guess uh, uh, yeah man i guess so i mean <laughs> eric clapton you know especially during this time had this um you just couldn't pin the guy down i mean he would only stay in a place for so long and then i think he would get bored really yeah and and restless and want to move on and do something else and so you know he especially clapton but you know steve winwood too and all these guys but you know would just jump around during this time you know from band to band and project to project um and uh i don't yeah what did you think of what do you think of blind faith uh well the one one thing that i would like to talk about that i i kind of consider this through you know through the week if i want to bring this up is the the cover of this record um it is it is an iconic like a legendary cover like the original cover where it has yeah. the girl on the front i mean i know when i first really was able to like you know go shop for records you know as a child this is one of those covers that just it would just smack me upside the head every time i saw it because first of all you see it, it's like this this very young naked girl you know and you're like wow okay what's that about <laughs> and and even as the years went by i, I just kind of looked and thought you know this this had to like really upset some people because i mean it's oh, if yeah. you look at it i mean from a i mean a, a grounded perspective i guess it's a beautiful cover but there were all sorts of rumors about who the girl was and and what the cover was about and her holding the, the airplane it was at a phallic symbol and and all this all this drama about it but i mean i mean as as time has gone on i mean you know there's been all sorts of of, of different issues and and rumors and but anyway um they they apparently you know kind of took some heat along with the guy i guess who took the picture uh i don't want to mispronounce this guy's name bob Cedarman, who also was, you know, a guy who took other, you know, really cool photos of like the Grateful Dead and, and Janis Joplin and and a lot of other, you know, kind of 60s, 70s, you know, rock and roll legends. But uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, like I said, initially, they 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 really caught a lot of flack from people where they had to change the cover. And. You know, they they kind of opted for another one where it just had the the band on the front, and um, you know, I I kind of wonder if if that maybe had some issues too, where you know, they just thought, okay, this is not working, you know, and let's let's go on and, and do some other things. You know, we we've already gotten out of the gate where it seems like we shot ourselves in the foot with this whole cover thing. But I mean, as as time has gone on, I mean, when you see the album now, it's it's the girl cover, not the not the band cover, which right. I guess is is the one that you know they they decided to just go with the original. But I mean, oh, away from I guess the, the issue with the cover, um, obviously just just great, you know, kind of you know obviously legendary '70s rock type 
you know, jam music or groove music, you know, where they they kind of just can, you know, go off on a tangent, like on certain songs, like uh, this one, one song here, uh, Do What You Like, that just goes on for about, what, 15 minutes? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, I mean, just, uh, you know, Ginger Baker, uh, just an, a brilliant drummer, you know, just he, he constantly seems to, you know, just defy all sorts of odds. They, I, there's apparently like a documentary about him where, you know, he seems like one of those guys that, you know, is, is you know, near death, so to speak, literally, where he's, he's just grinded down to the nub and then he just jumps back up and is like, okay, what's next, you know? And uh, obviously, Eric Clapton is just, you know, just amazing in, in the way he can play and, and, and what he brings to the table. And, and, and Steve Winwood is just, he just has one of those, I mean, obviously his organ playing, but one of those voices, I've loved his voice forever. Um, and, and just, he, he, to me, stands out on this record probably more than anybody with, with the way he, he can sing. I, I've yeah, always yeah. loved Steve Winwood's voice. Um, you know, even now, I mean, I mean, obviously he, he solo wise has, has had a great career, but I mean, some of the, the earlier stuff from him and, with these groups, you know, uh, Spencer Davis and Traffic and, and Blind Faith, I mean, just some awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Um, uh, what, I mean, obviously they, they didn't have a, a long history. I mean, but what did, what did you think about, um, about this record, uh, or Blind Faith at all? Well, um, I agree with you about Steve Winwood. I mean, I think he is the thing that stands out on the record. Um, you know, Eric Clapton's playing is always great and, and everything. Um, but yeah, Steve Winwood, I think is the, is really the standout on this record for me. And I think, you know, like you said, for you too, um, uh, he's got a great voice and, uh, let's, let's hear, let's just hear some of this. Um, I don't know. And play the first track. Cool. Um, let's listen to, uh, their track. Sea of Joy.
heard Sea of Joy by Blind Faith. Another cool thing about that track, or I thought that was interesting, was um, their bass player, uh, Gretsch. What? Oh, man. My notes are so bad. <laughs> Rick, right? Rick Gretsch on yeah. bass. And he, he also plays violin on that tune. Yeah, yeah. And, and really well. That's that's. I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool and, and impressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, not too much violin in, in, in rock and roll, yeah. you know, that you, that you think to... You know, but that yeah, it was very good. Yeah, not too many bass players that can also play violin. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you know, uh, well, the next tune we're gonna hear is "Can't Find My Way Home." I, I think this is a, this is the track that I've heard before. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think this is like the the big hit off of this album, um, and uh, I just think this is an incredible achievement for a first and only album yeah you know and and like i said before you know it was um uh they started the project or eric clapton started the project in um early spring 1969 so early spring it didn't i didn't give it uh, get a date maybe like march 1969 let's say um where Mm -hmm. he invited steve winwood over to his place to start just jamming and seeing, you know, kind of what happened, what kind of chemistry they could get. And from that time, uh, they put together this band. They released this album in July of that year. So, I mean, that's a that's an incredibly fast turnaround. Yeah, very. <laughs> from, and then they went on tour, and then they were, like I said, they were broken up within, you know, on, all in less than a year's time. Yeah. So, uh, and 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 to to get together and just you know jam with somebody you know in your house um and release this album like um you know 5 months later i mean that's amazing um yeah i i guess too when you have that many people in a band that really are are pretty much able to kind of strike out on their own. You know, I guess it's kind of like one of those things where the writing is on the wall where, you know, I guess we could either kind of keep doing this or maybe separate for a minute and do other things and come back together or just do this for a minute and then separate and then, you know, that's it. And I guess they just chose the latter. Because, uh, I mean, they all were, you know, I mean, at least Winwood and, and Eric Clapton were, were definitely able to, of, you know, being on their own uh, from the jump. But it was, I guess, a, a thing that they wanted to do, you know, while they were in the mood for it. Um, but, I mean, this, you know, things change, you know, overnight, obviously, because, I mean, like you said, they they did all of this within a period of a year, you know, um, got together, recorded, toured broke up and that's that's pretty right. crazy <laughs> well yeah I mean, the the winds of change you know gripped clapton you know really early i mean they they released this album they went on tour they were touring with um uh this group called bonnie and delaney and friends mm-hmm. and uh clapton became friends with them and really interested in what they were doing and he really at that point spent most of his time with them and really hardly any time with the with the guys from Blind Faith. So really, even when they were on tour, Clapton was kind of already kind of 
kind of gone, you know, to something yeah. else. And, you know, after this happened, um, Clapton decided to sort of step back from the limelight, you know, that he was in and creamed all these bands and uh, played Sideman with uh, the Plastic Ono Band and with uh, uh, Bonnie and Delaney and friends and then formed Derek and the Dominoes with yeah. with people from Bonnie and Delaney and friends. And of course that album's in here. We'll be talking about, um, but, uh, yeah, that's a great. Record. Yeah. And then of course, you know, moved on to other stuff after that, you know? So, I mean, he was constantly doing, uh, different stuff with different people. And, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else you want to say about can't find my way home? No, just it's like you said, it's just the one song that you recognize with traffic above, you know, most of their songs, you know, outside of the, you know, the jam tracks on the album. So, uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead and listen to it. Okay, cool. This is Can't Find My Way Home by Blind Faith. just heard can't find my way home and we're going to move on to blondie their album parallel lines released in 1978 and i know you posted this documentary on the 1000 recordings facebook page um on blondie which was really interesting i only uh got to watch maybe like the first 20 minutes um so i watched you know a lot of the stuff about their early career and formation and inception and all that. But, um, I know you watched the whole thing. So what, what do you yeah, think of Blondie? Um, Debbie Harry is just one of those people that, that just fascinate me. Um, first of all, Debbie Harry is just hot. I mean, especially back in the day, <laughs> I mean, she's pretty good looking now still, but back in the day, I mean, 
she, I mean, and, and the the band, you know, especially at the time, you know, Debbie's, you know, longtime companion, you know, husband, call it what you will, Chris Stein, they deliberately, you know, kind of put her up front as this sort of, you know, sexual front woman. And, um, you know, it obviously, you know, it, it, it brought a lot of attention to, to her and to the band. And, um, the thing about it was, even though she looked the way she did, I mean, she was just like a force. I mean, she was just really, really smart. Um, had this really, you know, good sense of, you know, sort of, you know, I guess art and culture, if you will, especially in New York. And, um, you know, I, I guess the thing about them to me that I, I love the most is that they they kind of came out of that that scene in New York where all these bands were at CBGBs, you know, Talking Heads and the Ramones, and um, I think even Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers at the time, uh, Patti Smith, you know, just all these legendary, you know, artists that that were coming up during that that period in the kind of seventies and early eighties. And um, I think with this record in particular, they um, had kind of, you know, taken a, a different direction from sort of like the the punk and new wave scene that they had really been really trying to forge into. And for lack of a better way of saying it, you know, were influenced by, you know, sort of like, you know, the disco era. Uh, especially with uh, with Heart of Glass. And, um, you know, some people didn't really, uh, you know, like that. I mean, a lot of people didn't like Debbie to begin with. I mean, some people just thought, you know, she can't really sing. She's just up there because people want to see her, you know. They just, want, they just want to see her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they just want to see her. They could care less about the band. I mean, I mean, Debbie would do certain things like, in the documentary, there's there's a part where she falls down and you can see her underwear uh, as she falls on stage. And, you know, for some people, that's that's enough. I mean, you know, they could they could have the PN plug where you don't hear anything. It's just like, hey, it's wow. Look at that. You know, but anyway, <laughs> um, they still, you know, were able to kind of get through all that and and a lot of criticism and, and, and still make really, really good, good songs. Um I mean, it's just one of those things that, you know, you can you can have a band and and, and have all this image and, and whatnot and then suck, but but they made just great, great songs. I mean, you know, uh, In the Flesh is just one of those songs that I, I still love. It, it just kind of has this old kind of, you know, 60s girl group type feel to it, which, you know, that's that's pretty deliberate. Debbie Harry was in a group called the, I think the Stilettos, where they they basically kind of model themselves on like the Supremes and the Marvelettes groups like that. And uh, you know they they definitely you know kind of you know worked on on a lot of music where they they were influenced by you know old soul and rock and roll and 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 you know we're we're not a, afraid to kind of branch out even after this record where. You know, they kind of did, you know, sort of like their homage to hip hop with, with Rapture. Um, 
And like I said, they, they just went on to, to have all these hits. And, and especially, like I said, with this album, Heart of Glass, when it came out, I mean, I just remember it just being massive. I mean, just one of those hits that got played on on pop radio, on, you know, even new wave stations and even urban, like, you know, I guess what you call black radio stations, play Heart of Glass. Cause it was just it was just that you know, influential, so to speak. And um, anyway, just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to start out with this track, um, Hanging on the Telephone. And uh, yeah. this one, it's it's interesting, you know, to learn the history like you were talking about and learn, <clears throat> excuse me, where they came up. You know, they came up, obviously, New York City at CBGB's, you know, with all these punk bands and stuff. And um, you can... In, in some of their songs, I guess more so on their first two albums, but even in this song, you can hear that hint of punk spirit, you know, in there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're really a, a, a pop band, you know, but um, you can you can hear it in there. You can hear the influence in there. Um, and uh, I don't know. What do you think of hanging on the telephone? Yeah, just just really great, great uh, example of, of them as a band literally where they you know they're playing as a group and and not necessarily you know relying much on uh you know studio production you know it it, it it's a good side of i guess the, the the punk new wave side of blondie and um just one of those songs where you know debbie kind of is you know Singing lyrics in a perspective of a woman who not necessarily is, you know, the object, but sometimes, uh, you know, the hunter, you know, she she often would would sing about (laughs) going after the dude and not being pursued by the dude or 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 whatever, you know, and um, that was one thing a lot of people really, really liked about her. She was not your traditional, you know you know, female rock and roller, you know, even though she, she had this certain look. Um, one thing that comes up in, in the documentary is Debbie Harry's hair um, and how, uh, you know, obviously it was very, very blonde in the front, but often in, in the back, it was kind of kind of black or, or dark brown. And, and and a lot of that was, was due to her doing her own hair where uh, she couldn't really get the back parts the way she wanted uh, necessarily all the times because of the way she would be on the road and didn't really have a, a stylist or or mirrors to see the back of her head. So she was just kind of doing her own thing. But I think it kind of represents her her personality even where she's she's got this really polished kind of blonde, sexy look on the front. But in the back, you know, she can be kind of kind of, you know, street and kind of kind of dirty and and but but smart and 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 hip and, and and not your typical whatever you know um anyway uh i think definitely she she represents to me like one of the first rock and roll front women you have a lot of front men but but not too many women who were at the front mm-hmm. of group especially groups like this that played in clubs like like cbgb's that 
that's another funny thing about that doc that you'll find out is that the inside of CBGB's had all sorts of stuff going on where <laughs> yeah that's a, that oh is god just in the bathrooms where there was just drugs and, and sex and all kinds of other things and then the owner of the club had had several dogs that he had in the <laughs> club so so the dogs would you know do what they do and so the club smelled like you know yeah yeah so <laughs> it was it was it was interesting you know but and it, and it was humid and it's hot and sweaty and you know just a weird weird mix but um anyway um just a, a great pop song from 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 Blondie. I mean, they they really that's that's really what you have to look at them as. They 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 just had great hits, hit yeah. after hit after yeah. hit. As a matter of fact, not not just here but worldwide, they would have hits. You know, just a an, an amazing run that 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 group had. Definitely, yeah. Let's check out the first track from this album, Parallel Lines. This is Hanging on the Telephone. I'm in the phone booth. It's a one across the hall. heard hanging on the telephone by blondie and we're going to move on to heart of glass i mean obviously we've we've kind of talked about heart of glass already they're the probably the biggest hit from this album i mean would you agree oh yeah yeah um, definitely that definitely and, I, I would say one of the biggest hits they've had period maybe not their biggest but it the heart of glass is up there i mean it was it was uh, probably their first i mean massive hit here in, in the United States. I mean, they'd had some hits, but this one was, this one made them just household name, you know, where they were, right. they were just on somebody's TV show or talk show like every week after this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those tracks that happens to a lot of bands that start off as a sort of grassroots or word of mouth movement, you know, kind of underground, if you will. And then they make a track that becomes huge worldwide and everybody screams sellout this was yeah. their track this was their track where everybody was saying oh blondie sold out you know and and yeah it's a disco tune um and of course D disco had its own stigma back in the day you know oh yeah oh um, yeah they that that they go on about that too with it the disco sucks party 
party that happened, I think that was in was that in Cleveland, where they, they burned all the disco records and they, they even blew some of them up. Yeah. And they, <laughs> the riot blew out. I mean, that, that, that was crazy. I mean, that was, wow. Uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. You can sort of see a depiction of that conflict in the show Freaks and Geeks. Did you ever watch that show? No, I haven't seen that. It's a great it's a great show about you know these high school kids in in high school in 1980. Okay, in Michigan. But there's this one episode where uh, there's like this disco night going on at the local boat bowling alley. That like this, uh-huh. this weekly disco night, and then the kids run in there and you know yell disco sucks, and you know there's a, <laughs> there's a big you know a big um, conflict there between the rock kids and the disco people, and but anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, uh, Heart of Glass, it, it's a great tune. I mean, I have to say for for me from from my own perspective, it's the best tune on the record. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just me. Uh, my my opinion but i think it's a great tune i mean despite you know we're so far removed now from that whole disco thing you know in disco culture and we can sort of just look at it now as as music and you know not bogged down in all those social politics you know what i mean yeah Um, yeah true i mean it's it's a it's a great song i mean it's it's an awesome song i mean you know they they were really kind of poised for for this kind of success and it just it just happened to happen it it just happened to happen during the the full-blown disco era and i think initially because they the band talked about the original version which they you know they kind of play a, a snippet of that on the documentary before the you know, they go in the studio and redo it. I mean, it's them playing the song. It, it it is it is not the same song at all. It sounds totally different. It would not have been, you know, the the mega hit that that it turned out to be. But I I think you know, Blondie like a lot of other groups. You know, they they kind of had to run their course. And I mean, most most guys don't you know decide to get up on stage and and sing and play guitars and all that so they can you know, wind up being broke. Uh, but ironically, as much as they made so-called, I guess, money in, in record sales, they did wind up being broke, sadly enough, uh, just behind, uh, you know, trusting really shysty people and, and really bad drug addictions. And uh, the IRS, you know, had their hand in yeah, it. I yeah. mean, they, they all wound up being... I mean, literally, the band had to wind up, you know, filing for bankruptcy basically because of just really poor record deals. Their, their initial manager that they had kind of ripped them off, and um, you know, it was it was just unfortunate. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the the stories of, of uh, Chris Stein, a guitar player for Blondie, getting really sick, uh, almost dying, uh, and and Debbie Harry kind of. You know, putting everything she had on hold, uh, her singing career, her acting career, which she, you know, really still acts here and there, but had a very promising acting career. I mean, obviously, some people have seen, you know, uh, Videodrome and some other movies. Uh, she was in Hairspray and uh, quite, quite a few movies that, that she'd done. But she she stopped everything to take care of, of Chris and 
that was after all the the blondie blow up with them losing money. I mean, it was it was tough. And anyway, um, you know they they've had lots of peaks and valleys. Heart Heart of Glass was definitely them on the mountaintop. I would say. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, just massive, massive hit. I mean, not the only one they had. I mean, they had big hit with uh with Call Me, the song with the American Gigolo movie. That was that was pretty crazy too. That was another song I guess that people were, were screaming sell out, but you know, that's that's fine. You know, just my my thing is, you know, you know, do what you do and enjoy it. You know, you know, you're not gonna be able to make everybody happy. You know, especially that that CBGB's crowd. That there's so many different opinions there. There's no way, you know, that, <laughs> right. that you're gonna be able to make, you know, some of those people happy. But you know, anyway. Yeah, man. Well, let's listen big, to this. Big, big, hit. Hard glass. Yeah, man. Hard of glass. Blondie. by Blondie. We're going to move on to our last album for this week, Bloque, their self-titled record released in 1998, Colombian group, rock group sort of uh, 
um, eclectic. It's 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 hard. Again, this is another group that it's it's hard to pin down. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what, man. The the more I listen to this group, I really like this group. Yeah, yeah, um, me too. You know, they're a movement. Uh, apparently, part of a movement in Latin popular music <clears throat> referred to as mezcla, which is sort of an ad hoc mix of sounds and genres that um, incorporate uh, not only their you know, native styles and styles to, uh, that are endemic to the region, but also just whatever they're into, you know, yeah. um, almost like a, a sort of Beck kind of approach mm-hmm. to music, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I, I, I got you. I I, I think at, at heart, they're they're kind of a, a pop group, but like like in the book says, I mean, it's not like listening to, to Miami Sound Machine. You know where you you're gonna hear them on that kind of radio station, but they, like you said, they just kind of take whatever their their influences are from from outside of Colombia, and then bring it all to the table, and then mix it what they have there right in front of them in Colombia, and they just kind of make it work, you know. And and yeah, I definitely Beck is is notorious for that where he you know he can really patchwork together some musical styles that are totally you know different from track to track and definitely album to album you know uh and and make it really good real make it really cool you know oh yeah yeah definitely you know this uh this band was started by guitarist ernest ernesto ocampa ocampo ocampo i think yeah ocampo yeah and um he recruited his roommate who was a singer um Ivan Benavides and they sort of got this group rolling and um, it, it's a kind of uh, uh, you know amalgamation of people you know there's a lot there's a this is a band with a lot of people in it again you know there's like nine nine ten people in the band and mm-hmm. uh, the first track that we're gonna play is the track Nena and uh, you know I listened to the track before I read up on the song excuse me and um you know it starts out the way it starts out i'm like wait that's is is that um you know so i go to youtube and i search for led zeppelin baby i'm gonna leave you i'm like yeah that's that's the (laughs) beginning of baby i'm gonna leave you and then i you know do more research and look at the lyrics and yeah it's it's a cover of led zeppelin's babe i'm gonna leave you Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts off with that same acoustic guitar, although the bloque version is um, a little bit faster and a little bit livelier than the original version. But it's still really recognizable. Like, you know, okay, this is the beginning of Babe, I'm going to leave you. And then that's that's really where the obvious similarities stop. So it has that little uh, acoustic guitar introduction, and then it goes into something much more Latin dance groovish, <laughs> you know, but it's still a cover of the Led Zeppelin song. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they start off, you know, Nena, Nena, yo me voy. This literally means baby I'm leaving, you know, and, and it's just, yeah, it's a cover. So what, yeah, what did yeah. you think of this? Yeah, this, yeah, just interesting take on that. And, and, you know, hit it at the song, but still kind of made it, made it something different where it wasn't 
wasn't literally, I guess, a cover. And uh, and the clip of that is is really cool, where it's got some some nice animation kind of mixed in and out, and um, you know, definitely kind of an interesting you know look at a group that I I, I had never heard of before. You know, I read the book, and um, you know, kind of a, a great perspective on a I guess a you know a Latin take on a a, a song that you know had been you know obviously listened to by by so many people you know over the years and and then their their sort of spin on it you know really fun oh yeah and and one thing i love about their overall sound is that ernesto campo you know he apparently had a background in heavy metal you know before he formed this band and one thing i love about not just this song but other songs is that ocampo you know he's not afraid to solo you know he's he's got these great sort of you know, old school guitar soloing going on. And mm-hmm. he's got this really um, kind of heavy, robust, you know, distorted guitar tone within the framework of this uh, Latin sort of dance, groovy music. I just think it's a, a super cool mix of sound. And yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So let's check this out. This first track from Bloque. This is Nena. Nena, yo me voy. 
And we just heard Nena from Bloque, and we're going to move on to their track Descarga. And this track is kind of a feature for all the members of the group to kind of show off their stuff. You know, it's got this little refrain, this little sung refrain, and then so they'll do that, and then it'll go into like this little solo section. And so it might mm-hmm. be, you know, a compo soloing, it might be the drummer, it might be the percussionist, uh, it might be the keyboard player. One thing that I thought is really interesting, <clears throat> again, a really cool, really different thing that's in this, a part of this band, is um, Maiter Montero. He plays this instrument called a gaita, which is apparently uh, like a native wind instrument, like wind instrument that's sort of native to the region. Hmm. And it kind of sounds flutish. You know, it doesn't sound like a flute, but it's a wind instrument. It kind of sounds a little bit flute, fluty. I don't know. But, um, you know, there's a long solo section in here for Gaita. So you get to hear him really go off on that instrument and uh, and in, uh, in other songs too. You know, he's, he's an integral part of the band. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what did you think of Descarga? You know, just just like you said, you know, it's kind of like a like a family effort, if you will, where everybody in the band kind of gets a taste, and um, you know, it, it's it, it's it's cool in, in a sense to where I I I I like that this record is. I guess it's it's a Latin record, but it's it's not. You know, it's it's got so many elements in it that that really aren't Latin. I think it's just more that that you know. I mean, you can call them a Latin band because of where they are, but it, it's kind of more than that. It's you know, it at times it really doesn't really sound like a Latin. I mean, it's, it's I mean, yeah, except yeah. for like you know speaking Spanish. I mean, it, it's got so many things going on with it. I mean, you know, some rock, some funk, you know, some even hip hop sounds. Um, just one of those things where, you know, I guess, um, and this is on, I, I, I think it's on David Burns' label. Um, yeah. Where he just kind of is is really akin to like going wherever and just finding music that that he likes, you know, and and, and doesn't really like to categorize or or anything. And I, and this really seems to really kind of jump out into that vein where, again, like they're. I mean, they're from Colombia, and I mean, you could call them a Latin group, but not really, not not like most Latin groups. Yeah. I mean, they kind of have, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff going on, which, you know, like I said, makes it really, really fun. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, their, their influence is definitely multinational and uh, um, just a really cool, really interesting group. And I think, you know, one of so far, one of my personal favorite discoveries from the book so far. Yeah, So. yeah. Um, yeah, let's check out this last track from Bloque. This is Descarga.
that was Descarga from Bloque. And that's going to do it for this episode, episode number 23 of the 1000 Recordings podcast. Please send us an email uh, with any of your questions or comments. Uh, if you have anything to add, you know, about any of the albums that we listen to uh, or just want to tell us, you know, how much you think we suck, um, send an email. To, bring it. <laughs> exactly. Bring it. Um, send an email to uh, 1000 recordings podcast at gmail.com. You can join us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 1000 RP. You can go to our website where we have links to all the albums that we listen to uh, so that, that you can purchase and also information on uh, sponsoring the show. And you can hear that, not hear it, you can see it <laughs> <laughs> at uh, uh, 1000rp.blogspot.com. And you can also join us on Facebook, uh, our page on Facebook. And you can go to iTunes and leave us a review uh, and that would greatly expose us to new listeners. So if you go there, and, oh, yeah. and, and especially if you leave a five-star review, and we will read that on the show. Um, yeah, next week. What do we got coming next week? Oh, let's see. Uh, I know that we have uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Broadway cast. That's going to be fun. Um. I remember um, Doc- I saw – I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I remember uh, that's one of my – I think that's the first musical I ever saw when I was like – Really? When I was like six years old, my parents took me oh. to Miller Outdoor Theater in Houston, Texas, <laughs> <laughs> and we that's saw that. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's and, funny. I, you know, that's that's a great place to see a musical or, or any kind of show. I, that's a – a great venue. Usually, it's a free show if you go. Um, yep, Miller yeah, it was Outdoor. free. Yep. Wow. And yeah, and it was wow. it was starring Zero Mostel. Wow. So yeah, real the real deal. Yeah, on the roof. Yeah, Man. and that's cool. Yeah, I, I that's funny. I I was thinking about that the other day. Um, like speaking of first musicals, uh, on that subject, real quick. Uh, Whiz! I saw the Whiz in Jones Hall here in Houston with my mom. I was about six years old, uh, and the thing that made me think about that, I was watching a, a documentary on uh, Netflix about uh, Jeffrey Holder. He is uh, what a lot of people call the Seven Up guy. Um, he did all these Seven Up commercials. Anyway, the, Netflix has a documentary on him and his wife. He did a lot of the costume and choreography and whatnot for the whiz and uh also uh if you ever seen uh live and let die he was like the uh sort of like voodoo priestess that came or priest that came up out of the grave and oh yeah can yeah i, can yeah, I, remember, I remember his that. name the name of the villain he plays that and he's on the train at the end of that movie where it rides off and he's laughing and that yeah, that's Jeffrey some, something like uh like kanga or yeah something like I, that because he, he he mentions in the documentary, I, I forget. Anyway, that's it. Made me think about the first time I went to a, a musical, and my mom took me. And initially, I did not want to go, and I'm so glad that she took me because it was it was just amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was kind of fun. Um, but, uh, <laughs> right on. Uh, also, next week I guess is uh, Doc Boggs. Uh, 
his folkway years, which I am not familiar with, I'm but not uh, either. his folk yeah. music. Um, I See Darkness by Bonnie Prince Billy. Uh, apparently that is a kind of a, a dark album, according to the title. Yeah, um, another one I've never heard of. I'm, yep. Uh, by All Means Necessary, uh, Boogie Down Productions, KRS-One, I'm definitely familiar with that record. Um, that ought to be a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, a good weird mix next week. Oh, and I think uh, one more, uh, Melting Pot by Booker T and AMGs. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a great record. No, you skipped one. Oh, that's not next week. You skipped Did one. I? Yep. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Let's see. Uh, so we I'm had... looking at possibly. The wrong list here. What did what did I skip? Um, James Booker, New Orleans Piano Wizard Live. Oh, okay. I don't know why. Let's see. I'm okay. I'm looking at something here, and it's it's a web based version. Anyway, I I, I got them mixed up. I'm so sorry. Oh no, no problem. But, um, but James, yeah, I mean, all James, this, James Booker. Do you know that that out artist, James Booker? No, no, I've, I've not heard of him. Okay, I, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm, well, me neither. So, right. yeah, next so Booker week. So, Booker T after next week. After, after next week. Yes, yeah. That. So, yeah, next week, um, the only thing I've heard on next week is Fiddler on the Roof. So, <laughs> everything else is brand new to me. New. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be fun. It's always always good to get new music in your veins so to speak uh, oh yeah definitely yeah that's what this book is about for sure so um yeah man that's that's it man unless you have anything else no no just uh good sitting good talking uh thank you for all the positive feedback all the feedback at all uh, from listeners uh hope everybody has a great week uh been right, fun cool. Cool, man. Yeah, well, I hope you have cool. a good week. I hope you enjoy your your truck, having your truck back again. I'm sure you will. Um, Thank you. And I'm so, uh, I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we will see everybody next week. What's up, everybody? Welcome to all. Oh, damn it! <laughs> 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 I was almost said my other podcast. Right, let me try that. <laughs> Let me try that again. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs>